0: My name is Justin Skirbo, and I want to welcome you all to a brand new TZR podcast. Welcome to the first episode of the Zero Exposure Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Skirbo, and today I am joined by Mike Potts.
1: Zero Exposure?
0: Oh my goodness. I'm also joined by Frank Nosich.
2: All right, let's go make some crazy money.
0: (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And I'm also joined by Shane Weaver. hello. Guys, I'm super excited today. We have finally broken our chains and, and separated ourselves from the TZR South name, and now we have started an all-new podcast with a, uh, a new direction, a new purpose, and uh, some really awesome conversations to come. Uh, so for those of us that are joining us for the first time, or if you just want to know about what this podcast is, the Zero Exposure Podcast is going to be treated sort of like a, uh, a video game book club where every, uh, every time we meet, which will be once a month, uh, the last uh, Wednesday of every month, uh, we will be hosting one of these, and one of our lovely uh, participants, one of our, one of our uh, co-hosts, guess, yes. our, quest givers. Call them, our quest givers, uh, will offer up a game that they personally have interest in, that they feel like some, uh, some of the rest of us may never have played, or may never have any intention of playing. That way, giving us some exposure to some new material.
1: Either a game that we have already played and we want to share with other people, or a game that we have wanted to play but we haven't ever gotten around to.
0: That is correct. Uh, the The goal of this is basically to give ourselves that month of time, so we can uh, we have enough space to sort of drink in the game a little bit, see what's going on with it, and then have some. Uh, expanded discussions here on the subsequent month so uh, for our listeners if you'd like whenever we offer up a game at the beginning of an episode of uh, zero exposure we encourage everyone to join us and uh, follow us on this journey uh, into the depths of gaming that you know may uh may need some light shown on them uh the darker shadows of the gaming caverns sure
2: (laughs) you should join us as we expose ourselves yes no no hang on that, that's not right. oh yeah that's no rewind terrible. that rewind yeah. that
0: <laughs> alright Justin <laughs> cut that out okay um, so just to uh, just to let you guys know I don't want to I don't want to take the credit for this one this is actually a idea fresh off the mind of Shane Weaver so uh, do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about like kind of why you wanted to come up with this idea or what do you uh,
3: what do you what do you expect what? to see out of the podcast I mean for me this was just an incentive to really start digging into the backlog and I mean you know book club ideas not not too much new, but uh, I'm just hoping to really get a chance to play some games mm. that otherwise I'd probably have continued to neglect and just kept playing things within my interest, so in this way, I'll have a much broader horizons, and I'll be able to broaden your guys' horizons as well. Yes,
0: I love that. I love the idea, like after you shared it with us, I was totally totally into it because I know you know. If you guys are familiar with the TZR South podcast, Frank tends to drop some uh, some gaming <laughs> quotes on us that we might not all necessarily be familiar with, crazy <laughs> as it might sound. But, uh, you know, whenever you pull these quotes out, I'm like, man, like for you to for you to walk away from a game with that sort of, uh, you know, with that sort of memory about it, it must have been something special. And, uh, and I think it only kind of like highlighted how there are certain games, certain genres, certain series that like I've never touched that you know, Frank might be totally familiar with, or Potts, or Shane. And, you know, I, I like to think of myself as kind of more, uh, is eclectic the word I'm looking for?
1: Eclectic would suggest that you play lots of different things. Yes,
0: I would like to be that person. Uh, but I realize that there's plenty that I'm missing out on. So I think this is a, uh, as, as right. Shane said, a perfect opportunity to dive headfirst into that stuff.
1: I, I also want to take a second to give a little bit of credit to Frank, because when we were trying to name this podcast, we sat on a call for like two hours trying to figure out a good name. And then Frank was like, why don't we just call it Zero Exposure? And we were all like, yes, <laughs> let's do that. It That's was a perfect. great name.
0: It was perfect. It was like a simultaneous like,
2: oh, oh you got it! <laughs> I'm so. glad to offer something, something of value.
0: Yes. So, uh, so for this first episode, being that we haven't had a chance to dive into our first game. Uh, I think that the best uh, the best way to treat this episode is talk about sort of what games we would like to bring to the table, Some that we've you know had in mind that we would like to share with the rest of the co-hosts of uh, of this podcast. So Shane, because this was your idea, because this was uh, sort of your your brainchild. Um, you absolutely get first dibs on what game we're going to be playing. So do you want to share with everybody what, uh, what game we're going to be playing and why this is the game that you wanted to pick?
3: Oh, yes. Yes, I do. Because I, this is a, an all-time favorite of mine. Not exactly uh, an old favorite, but kind of uh, relatively new, but something that I feel like everyone should be able to get their hands on. So for me, my pick was The Legacy of Cain, Soul Reaver.
0: Yes, an
3: old PS1 uh
0: OG PS1 uh platformer, action platformer. Yep, 3D 3D action platformer, the likes of Zelda. Yeah. So, so I've definitely never played this game. Pots, I know you you wouldn't touch a PlayStation game with a ten foot pole. Just skip the
1: place. <laughs> I'm sitting too close to this PlayStation right now yeah. as it is. <laughs> and uh and Frank,
0: you uh you also have not had any uh exposure to this game, right?
2: No, it's always been on my short list, but Not even shortlist, but it's always been on a list somewhere buried between, like, 1,600 other freaking games I have to get through at some point. Yeah, totally. So, So, so yeah, this gives me a chance to bump that up to the top, which is exactly the point of the podcast.
3: There it is. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the reason it deserves it, primarily, at least, you know, the enjoyment I took out of it, from my experience with it, I won't dig too deep, that will be for the discussion that we have a month from now, but uh, a lot of it just comes down to... The characters and the lore and the story going on as well as you know the the world it creates navigating through it and um just the puzzle and dungeon style gameplay that you know is reminiscent of zelda like a zelda alternative with this gothic um like big deep history uh story behind it so yeah and it i mean the way that i've always
0: looked at that game and it's like it's like I've known the name Soul Reaver for a really long time. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, I've known the name Soul Reaver for a while, and I think it's because at the time, like that was sort of when, like you know, the most iconic series were like getting their footholds. You know what I mean? Like there's there's kind of those like milestone games um, for certain consoles that kind of like defined that generation. Um, right. And I think I had pretty limited... Well, I don't think. I know that, you know, when I was a kid, I had kind of limited exposure to a PlayStation. It was kind of just like my older brother playing Final Fantasy VII, and I would just watch him play that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until, like, you know, later into my, like, mid to late teens that I actually owned my own PS1. And at that point, it's like the the hotness of Soul Reaver and the Legacy of Kain series kind of, like, died out. Um but I think this is also a, a really cool moment because we've heard a lot of, uh, a lot of rumblings from Crystal Dynamics
3: uh, yes. about the series. So, Yeah, no, their Twitter account's been active with little yeah, teases here and there, mentions back to Raziel and his journeys. Yeah. So definitely, definitely could be a good time to get uh, affiliated with the series, no doubt. Yeah.
0: So, what are the what? Where is this game like available? Like, if uh, if the listeners wanted to join us on this journey, where could uh, what's call it? Where could well, people play this? I know it was on the original PS One, and I'm sure you can download it on like PS Three or
1: need to do because the physical copy is like eighty dollars.
0: Well, no, no, no. I got it for like ten bucks. What? Yeah. On Amazon, yeah.
1: it's eighty dollars.
0: Wow. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> no. Don't do that. Yeah. Definitely no. don't do that. But yeah, where else I can mean, people
3: uh, play or get this game? The game is available on Steam. So that right there is, is uh, an easy access point. Yeah. Uh, like you, there you go. Uh, like you mentioned, it's also um, on the PlayStation Store, the PlayStation 1 Classic, so you can play it on your PS3. Or like I did, strangely enough, on the PSP. Mm. Um, you can play that Classic PlayStation 1, you know, uh, physical disc. Yes. Or you can play it as well on the Dreamcast, which is the copy that I picked up down the line, and I will be playing over the sequence of this next month to, you know, familiarize myself with the game as you guys go through it for the first time. Yeah,
0: see, that's another awesome part of it, because it's like, even even if it's a game that, you know, you might be, like, could be one of your, like, childhood favorites, I think coming back to it later in life kind of, uh, kind of, like, rekindles that interest and... and kind of like proves out whether your childhood nostalgia was like well-founded or not you know yeah
3: absolutely
2: (laughs) not even that like you can just easily forget things about games too like i've had so many games that i've played through like once and then the details just escape me utterly and i have no memory of it frank can you can you come up to your mic a little bit more oh sorry yeah there you go much better my head down a little bit there uh um yeah, but there's been way too many games that I've played where I played through them once and I have no memory of them. Like, the details just escape me, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of, like, I think most of us go through that where we'll think back to these games super fondly, but, like, the actual intimate details of playing we might forget, um, so a really awesome opportunity to do that, or to, to revisit some of these games if, uh, you know, if you've already experienced them once before. Now, for the for the PC copy, though, for anyone who wants to join us on PC, I believe the GOG and Steam versions are not super awesome. No. I think they, they require, like, heavy modding in order to be, like, playable. And, like, Frank, I know you've got a little bit of background on that, right?
2: I, I, tried, I tried getting it to run um, the other night. So it installed fine. Like, I, for the record, I was using the GOG version. It installed fine. It ran fine. I wasn't getting any crashes to my desktop. I was able to run it easily in a 1080p resolution. The problem is, it's an action platformer that, while you can play it with a mouse and keyboard, it's a little not that great <laughs> with uh, a mouse or a keyboard, actually, because there's no mouse input for it. Okay. So you can get used to using the buttons and like, laying it out like, circa early 2000s, late 90s when all you had was a keyboard, but it has native controller support. And I tried to get the native controller support working with my Xbox One controller, and it was just a no-go. Work. It just wouldn't work; the inputs wouldn't be recognized. So I tried Joy to Key, that didn't work. Hmm. No matter what I did, it just couldn't recognize the controller. But it ran okay. It, like, mind you, I didn't play through it, so I can't comment on like how the port is entirely. Um, but yeah, for this one, I'm actually also going to be playing a console version. Uh. Because uh, you
0: own a physical copy, and, and you're just archiving it via an emulator to uh, yeah, play yeah, it that sure. way, right? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> sure. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so a great suggestion for others to uh, to check that out with as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm super stoked to play this game. It's definitely uh, it's definitely one that passed me by at a uh, at a younger age. But I think now is like an absolutely great time for it. And the other part that I love about the series, other than just like getting a chance to play some of these old, uh, like some of these games that we've never played before, is actually just kind of like playing retro stuff again, you know? <clears throat> mm-hmm. I feel like it's really easy nowadays to just be distracted by every new game that's coming out. So it's almost like this is like our, our gaming like side quest, you know, just something uh, something else to engage with even while we're playing the Mario Odysseys of the world and whatnot, you know? 10 out of 10. Yeah, for
3: sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, as much as, you know, I'm looking forward to everyone trying Legacy like Um, I'm also curious to know what everyone else is going to have in store as we, you know, proceed down the line with this show.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, definitely the first game that we're playing, starting today, basically... Uh, going through until let me look at the date for it real quick. Going until November 29th That's uh that's when the next uh, episode of this podcast will be out. That's sort of like our time frame that's to play that game. Month. Yeah. So first one will certainly be Legacy of Cain. I think the next one, uh, Potts had a really great idea. Uh, when I was talking to you on the phone earlier, it, it sounded like it just kind of dawned upon you yeah. the exact right game that you wanted to pitch for this. So. So what game would you like to expose the rest of us to? Well,
1: I was I, I, I was kind of like, oh crap, I have I have to think of something right now. I I wasn't really I I didn't think to think of anything before this cuz I didn't know that we were going to talk about it. Um so I was like digging through all of my old like Xbox original things and flinging stuff all over the place and like, what am I going to do? And then I Decided to do something that will come as very unexpected uh, to to anybody that knows my gaming background from this podcast, and I picked a Steam game (laughs) for mine, um, which is available on Steam for $5, and it is Dungeons of Dreadmore, because I love this game so much and i feel like literally nobody else has ever heard of it before yeah and i i feel like i try to talk about it when i can nobody ever knows what i'm talking about i want people to know what this game is that i spent like all of 2011 playing okay so i've definitely heard you talk about this game at length
0: like basically since i've known you you've been telling me about this give me sort of like the top down of of what dungeons of dreadmore is because i i certainly have never played it frank or shane have you guys played this
3: game i i would no i've never heard of it and i would have never ended up playing it if you didn't if you did not mention it okay
2: i have heard of it um but i have never actually picked it up and played it so it's it was very so uh,
1: tiny bit of backstory which i won't go super into because we'll save that for the episode But like in 2011, I just graduated from college, I was so unemployed, all I was doing was writing for free uh, for a bunch of gaming websites and just playing a lot of video games (laughs) um, and looking for jobs. And this happened to come out right when that was all happening, and it was sort of when I was really expanding my horizons with games. So, and I had a functional freaking PC at this point too. So that was nice. And, um, so this is actually the first roguelike game that I ever played because I'd never been into that. I, you know, I'm not a big PC person except for all my DOS stuff that I played back in the day. Um, so this is, this is a, it's a, it's a I think it's just a roguelike. I don't think it's a roguelite. It's permadeath. It's um, it's procedurally generated dungeons. Um, you heavily customize your character at the beginning of your run. You try to see how deep into the dungeon you can get. I think there's 10 levels. Um, and you're trying to see how deep you can go with just this huge assortment of of different customizations. But really, like, that all sounds like every other... Uh, roguelike game that you've ever heard of. What really made this stand out for me was the like the art style and the personality. It's so goofy, but not in like a slapstick, silly, like get on your nerves kind of way. It just has such a really great sense of humor and personality to it. Um, the best example I can give is that there's a shrine to the god of Ludafisk, which is cubes of cold Fish meat that is popular in like the uh, the the Nordic regions of the world, and you can find lutefisk and offer it to this shrine of the lutefisk god, and it will give you things in return. Um, There's this was my first introduction to monster zoos, which when you When you come across one of those, like, you get used to, like, opening a room and maybe there's one or two enemies in it. And then you open a room and there's 35 enemies inside of the room. It's, it's just, there's so much cool stuff going on. And it was so different for me. And it, again, has such a fantastic personality that it was just fun. Like, it's just so fun. And I, I played so much of this and I watched so many people play this on YouTube And I have basically never heard of it since. (laughs) So, Gaslamp Games, uh, Dungeons of Dreadmoor. Awesome. I'm really excited. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to play this, actually. Yeah, it came out in 2011. That's pretty crazy. Yep.
2: I do like my roguelikes. It It was basically... super roguelikes. It was
1: that and Terraria that I played for, like, eight hours a day. And Mass Effect 2, but mostly these two. Yeah, and I think that uh, we've all kind of had a taste of mass effect and terraria at this point yes this was this was like ter, like beta terraria <laughs> yeah um, but no this You'll, game it deserves so much more attention
3: okay excellent it suggestion. Might, it might actually end up being my first rogue like of memory i've played road uh rogue lights um
1: but. yeah i don't what what exactly makes it a rogue light, because I want to make sure I'm not screwing this up. Well, I'm glad you asked, Potts.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> this,
1: this is just, this is not at right. all my genre.
2: At all. Right. So, so uh, I believe it's the Berlin interpretation, but there's actually... Um, hang on, let me look this up quickly. <laughs> um, it's supposed to
3: be the human encyclopedia. Yeah. Right, on, okay. Man.
2: So... There is a difference between rogue lights and rogue lights, rogue and rogue lights. And I think it's Berlin interpretation or something like that. I think it's a German city where there's actually like a group of fans of the genre who has set out a bunch of hard um, hard th- um, recognition points and soft recognition points. They use another word, it's just escaping me right now, of what classifies a rogue like and a rogue light. And they do that in order to define the genre, like permadeath... Is a soft requirement. Whereas, and so, like, procedurally generated levels are a soft requirement, whereas hard requirements are movement is turn-based and enemies move at the same time that you do. So that um, that see. is met
1: by this game?
2: Yeah, yeah. So there's, like, a hub world where when you equip, like, stuff, like, you can find loot and then you can go to the hub world to exchange currency or something like that. Uh, I think that was one of them. Um, is... The idea that... Uh, actually I'm not sure if this one plays into it but the idea that as the more you play the more you can unlock stuff on future runs um I think that's a light but,
0: element cuz like we're, like you know correct me if I'm wrong but d- the term originated
1: from a text-based adventure game called Rogue wasn't text-based yeah. it was ASCII ASCII yeah where all of the all of all the, of the graphics, graphics are made, are made out of are made of text yeah
0: yes. so like <laughs> okay So, but, like, that game, when they say roguelike, it's games that are played in a similar vein to that game. It's games that are like the game rogue. Yeah, 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 (laughs) Yeah. exactly. And then, like, the other ones are just, like, games that include permadeath, include, like, procedurally generated worlds or whatever. Yeah, and so
2: a big issue with, like, the genre on Steam is, like, a lot of them are mislabeled. Like, the Binding of Isaac is labeled as a roguelike when it's not at all. Like, it, it plays like Zelda with procedurally generated levels and permadeath. And by the way, I was right, it, it's the Berlin interpretation, not the Berlin school of interpretation. But it's Berlin! I knew it was Berlin! Okay. it was <laughs> okay. Um, no, one, no one will question well, I,
1: it. You know? I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely remember <laughs> that when I started playing this, the... wrapping my head around moving one square at a time and enemies moving at the same time that I yeah. move... was pretty crazy, having never played a game like that before. And you can you can sit like idly and watch the just watch the enemies also sitting idly. So there's no like yeah. the tension is all about like if I make this next move, that's where they kill me. How do I get out of the situation? So you have all the time mm-hmm. in the world to think about it, but as soon as you move, there's a chance that you're dead. So you gotta make cool. sure that yeah. you do it right.
2: That's and generally cool. speaking, proper lights as rogue well, roguelikes as well will have some kind of like a stat system where they emphasize emergent gameplay, like there's multiple ways of doing stuff, like bashing a door, like moving around it, lock picking it, that kind of thing. So then you need some kind of skill system to reflect that as far as I know, or as far as like the roguelikes that I've played. So that's also another thing that a lot of roguelites lack.
1: Yeah, I, I'm fairly confident that it counts as a roguelike, yeah. but if anybody knows different, feel free to let us know. But it's really fun, and it's got a really fun personality, and I think everybody's going to like it. I'm definitely excited to give it a try. Um, mm-hmm. I think the
0: only other game that I played in that genre, like where you move and enemies move, was a, a mobile game called Hoplite, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Interesting. But yeah, no, I'm definitely stoked to try that. So that'll be our next game. That'll be for the month of December. We'll be playing some, uh, some Dungeons of Dreadmore. Woo. Uh Frank... What would you like to kick us off with in January?
2: Oh, so many things, Scarbo. So many <laughs> things. Um I haven't not decided what game I'm going to be submitting to the uh Zero Exposure podcast yet. I have a lot of ideas. Okay. But I haven't whittled them down to what I want to do exactly. So as Skirbo sort of mentioned, when I do my introductions, I say, like, quotes from games. Now, I don't think they're that they're that obscure, but apparently they are, since I'm the one get them. But, um, I'm thinking because a lot of the conversations I bring up with these guys tend to be about, like, man, I, uh... Okay, yeah, Dave. Dave, Dave just put a comment in the live chat that it's gonna be some super obscure PC game that no one's ever heard existed. Yeah, very well might be. saying, <laughs> That's sort of like my shtick. Um, I'm really into like like computer role playing games and during our conversations I'll bring up like memories or comparisons to like a game that I've played and everyone else is like, Yeah, I've never actually played that before. Like a common one will be like Deus Ex, although people have heard about that one, but I'm talking about like the original one by by IDOS. Yeah. Um, Mascare, Ma of uh, vampire the masquerade bloodlines is another one. That's one of my all time favorite games that I've played. Yeah, replay if not every year, then every other year. That's something I'd really like to introduce everybody, hmm. uh, everybody to. Um, or just generally like sort of push this RPG horizon. Like, has any of you played Alpha Protocol before?
0: No, no. no. But I know exactly. Okay. Like, I see the cover art like in my hmm. mind right now.
2: Yeah. Well, so I see back... the
0: cover art of the remake.
2: <laughs> the remake of Alpha Protocol? I thought I so. Wasn't that the uh, one that was on like
0: 360 and PS3 and stuff?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it was... I know it was on Xbox and I know it's on PC, but I didn't know there was a remake of it. I don't think so. Oh, like, is there only one? What I'm talking about is a role-playing game by Obsidian where you play as Spy. I mean,
0: what that sounds that like player, what the right cover right? looks like, so I don't know.
2: Yeah. uh but yeah so like i think my goal here is basically to bring up games that i really like that are either underrated or that i think should get more exposure but like cater to my tastes as you know somebody's into rpg and someone's into like super narrative storytelling okay so i'm kind of leaning towards that direction and i know pot specifically requested that i don't do deus ex because um games before for like a first person shooter before standardized controls not not a fun time to play but yeah i don't
1: know yeah i don't know although i saw something really funny today related to what you just said where i forget what game it was but one of the first games that was first person that used the dual analog controls some it was an excerpt from some major reviewing outlet that said like like say it was IGN but it wasn't that said like, because of its use of the two analog sticks to control the camera and movement, it's nearly impossible to play this that's game. Hilarious. <laughs> I believe the first, first I believe like the first console based first person shooter that did that
0: was Medal of Honor on PS1. Okay. I believe that's true. Don't
1: quote it, me. It was not that one. I don't remember what game... You know what this was? This was the controller episode of Game Maker's Toolkit oh, that I okay. saw this, so if anybody wants to check. But it was so funny. Like, oh, this is... It's impossible to... It, the, the, the games will never continue to use this controller scheme. It's like, Wow.
2: Well, to be fair, it is impossible to play first-person shooters effectively with twin sticks on a controller. You need a PC and, or a mouse and keyboard to play. Well, eight,
1: they uh, were arguing that movies. it would be better to have, like, a directional pad, and that's it.
2: Like, uh, for a first-person shooter? No, get out of here. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> it, was, it, was,
1: it was like the comparison of a PS1 controller versus a PS2 controller. Like, oh, we should really go back to, like, tank controls. That would be, like, how can they expect us to control the camera and movement at the same time?
2: That's no. too
0: funny.
1: Please, no.
2: <laughs> just, just no.
1: No.
0: Oh, man. So, do you guys want to know what game mm-hmm. I am? Interested in
1: bringing to the table here? Yes, of course we are. I, I or how VR? Japanese is it on a level yeah. of <laughs> on a level of zero to every other game that you play? How Japanese is I'd, it? I'd say it's pretty okay, is, Japanese. Is, is, Damn is,
0: it!
2: Does the game have English voice acting in it, or yes. am I going to have to get a separate patch? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. It
0: has English voice acting. Is and, it, and, it's, and it's not a JRPG? A, is it a shmup? It is not a shmup. Oh, that's very unexpected. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so this game, I, I only chose this after, or like, I only 100% decided on this one after, after I knew that you guys have not played it. Cause I was, I was so convinced that Shane would have played it because it's from a developer that I know is uh, close to his heart, but, um, my pick, which will be for February, uh, very appropriate game for the month of love (laughs) 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 totally kidding Uh, it's a game called Killer 7 Uh, by Suda51 published by Capcom Uh, so Killer 7 is is a game that was originally out for the 6th generation of consoles so the Gamecube and the uh, Playstation 2 is it 6th generation or 5th I think it might be uh, 5th I think it was the 5th anyway so (laughs) it was on the playstation 2 and the gamecube um and this was this was suda 51's kind of like foray into making games he's most notably known for games like uh no more heroes and uh killer is dead um as well as the sequel to no more heroes and the new third you know uh Travis uh, Travis Strikes Back. Yes, exactly. Strikes Again. Strikes Again. Right, the guy with the lights. No more
2: heroes. is so much fun.
0: Yes. <laughs> so th- those are the games that he kind of became more famous for, but it all started with Killer7. Um, now, the description that I'll give you of this game is super weird, but, like, follow me, right? Uh, so it is a first- and third-person action game that plays out more similarly to a point-and-click adventure game but it is m- horrendously violent and like has some of the coolest gunplay and puzzle solving in a game i've ever played now that might sound very strange like collision of genres um i
3: don't understand but it sounds like a nice
0: collision of genres it's pretty awesome so it's essentially like you are dropped into a world like it's it's level based right and uh, essentially what you're, what you're doing is uh, an evil corporation called the Smile Corporation uh, is doing something evil. It's been a long time since I played this game. But uh, the Smile Corporation is doing something evil. And uh, it's, it's like corrupting humans like in the world, right? Um, and turning them into what are called death smiles. Now death smiles are these crazy like twitchy zombie things that are walking around and trying to kill you Um, So what your job is is you are going through these stages and murdering the like heads of the company of Smile Corp or whatever um and as you're doing it you are playing through seven different personalities of one killer okay, so like Truly everything that I just described to you may or may not be real Ultimately your like the whole game is taking place inside the mind of this dude who's in a wheelchair Who's like the greatest assassin in the world? Um, but he Projects himself into the world as these seven different personalities and they all have like different abilities and all this sort of stuff so like for example um, there is this one character my favorite character named coyote uh, I can't remember his uh, suffix or whatever, but uh, his ability is he can go through the world and he can jump really high onto uh, onto like on top of buildings and shit. Right, so if you're at an impasse and you're like, where do I go? You would change in real time into Coyote uh, and then jump onto buildings and stuff. Uh, or there is a character who's like this uh, Luchador, and he. Uh, his weapon is uh grenade launchers so his ability is to break like blow open walls in the world and travel through them uh that's also another like aspect of this that every character in the game has a different weapon that sort of like defines them uh so the main character his name totally escapes me right now but he looks like basically every Japanese badass right (laughs) like some like totally like aloof Japanese dude in like a tuxedo that's just kind of or like a suit or whatever just like kind of walking around and he has this amazing like revolver like magnum that he just fucking ices people with um and then there's this girl who's like like in a white dress but it's like covered in blood and she has like a, uh, a really like heavy duty pistol with like a sniper right like a, a scope on top and then coyote is my favorite he has another uh, a six shooter but he holds it like upside down and sideways <laughs> uh, which is super cool and then this dude at the grenade launcher and then there's this other character who's blind i can't remember his name but he has dual submachine guns and like you're essentially switching between these characters on the fly to like accommodate what situation you're in But the thing that really drives it home that makes the whole package, like, amazing and why I love this game so much and why I, like, get these, like, snap memories of playing it is because the way that you kill enemies is, like, really fucking cool. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm just thinking about it now. It's so awesome. So you'll... You can't see enemies. You can only hear them and they have this crazy, like, (laughs) like, they laugh at, like, when you're in the world. So if you hear the laugh close to you, you have to you go from third person into first person so you see yourself holding a gun and then you have to like scan the environment in front of you and when you do that it reveals the enemies and you'll see this crazy like smile zombie kind of like walking towards you um and you can shoot them a bunch of times with your gun but it won't do anything but they'll have, like, one spot on them that's, like, bright yellow, and if you, like, search around them and find it and then shoot that one spot, their whole body, like, explodes into blood droplets and then, like, just, like, blows up across the screen, and, like, your character says, like, the coolest shit ever. Like, I I encourage anybody to just go on YouTube and watch a trailer of this game because it is so fucking stylish and awesome um yeah i i'm super hype for this game like just just the thought of being able to replay it gets me like really really excited
2: the premise of this game the way you described it as there's this one guy and all these killers are like like in his head and then they just project themselves and that's it sounds like somebody took a game of everybody is john and turned it into a video game
0: i don't know what everyone is john what is that
2: Okay, so everyone is John, is it's a tabletop role-playing game, and the premise is all the characters are voices inside of the head of John. You have a bidding war where you put forward your tokens, your willpower tokens, and if you win the bid, you control the body, so you're, like, pushing the narrative forward.
0: Oh, that's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, but it's just like the way you're describing it to me, it's like, somebody took this and turned it into a video game with all these personalities fighting over it, and it's like that sounds awesome i mean that
0: could be very true like i mean it definitely it definitely sounds like there are some similarities there
2: oh uh, i i doubt it this is like an indie game that somebody put up on the internet for free so i just it struck me that's all
0: yeah oh my gosh the the game is so oh god like so so none of you guys have played this game
3: before like no no, no. Um, i had i've, I've always knew i uh, knew that it would be stylistic but gameplay wise i've kind of kept myself in the dark until i finally put it in to my PlayStation Two because that's my copy.
2: So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I only know about it because I Googled like best GameCube games and this is the one of them. One of them that popped up.
3: Well, looking at the
1: trailer, it looks like it's a third-person game that then becomes like an arcade shooter when you're actually doing combat. Yeah,
0: that that's very mm-hmm.
1: accurate. Um,
0: so so you might be asking yourself, well, Justin, you said it's kind of like a point-and-click adventure game. How does that make sense? So, and, and this is no, where where it like usually turns and people cool. off. But it's, like, when you go into a world, you can't, you can't walk around freely. You're only on, like, corridors. So what? it's, like, you walk straight down a path, and then the path will split left or right, and then you choose one of those directions. And, like, you can find new pathways. Like, if you're walking down a thing and you happen to see, like, a roof that you could jump on, you can switch to Coyote and jump up on the roof or whatever. Um... But you're essentially like moving through the world, kind of like mapping out how you progress. So it's like, I remember in this one level, it's like a Japanese village. And it's like, you start the level out by like running straight. And it's like, there's a building, but the door is locked. And you're like, okay, how do I find this door? So then you have to like run back and take a different character to like blow a hole through a wall. And then go and then kill a bunch of dudes. And then like find this one room... Uh, that's, like, covered in smoke, so you have to, like, find a valve and, like, turn the valve off and then go through the room because there's no more smoke anymore. And then you kill, like, a mini-boss to get the key to go back into the house. You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. hmm okay, so... so I was just watching gameplay footage as you're describing that, and, it's like, the movement, it's just, like, it was surreal. Like, you pick a direction. It's, like, there's three directions on the screen, and you pick the one you want to go to. Yeah. And then they have that little, like, fast animation movement. Yeah, yeah that's so cool it's
0: it's really awesome and like like it's really just how stylish the game is because like when you kill stuff like like i said it's all english voice actors so like i don't it, i can't really describe it it's like after you kill something it makes this really weird like <laughs> kind of noise and like you'll hear your character be like like got you motherfucker or like something <laughs> like that um so it's, it's just really cool and like mid shooting like if you're getting surrounded by enemies like it's like really like high intensity kind of stuff because like you're in, your intention is to just like shoot around at like a bunch of different people but like it's not going to do any good because you have to find the weak points. So it's like you're constantly like going into third person, running away, going into first person, trying to like get a couple shots off and then like reloading in this really cool like slick looking animation and like doing it again.
1: So oh, yeah killer seven man what a, what a game what a game I've definitely like I've heard of it and I think I knew what it looked like but I just never played it yeah I've, all the I've, GameCube games i played never played that one well, it's funny, the GameCube
0: version is actually rather <coughs> rare. I think at this point, if you try to get a copy, it's like 50, 60 bucks. Not surprised. <laughs> um, the PS2 version is a lot more common. That's like maybe like which f- is... 15 to 20 bucks. Oh, I okay, can actually... Yeah, which yeah. is why that's the version I own. Yeah.
1: So. I actually own it on both consoles, so... Uh, oh, you want to lend me that PS2 copy?
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. For sure.
1: Or actually, if you'd want... I don't know. I'll take either. I have both yeah, of those consoles. Yeah, whatever's
0: more convenient for me, man. Like, I'm... I'm I'm an open library. They're equally convenient. <coughs> yes. Yeah. The only difference is the, the PlayStation 2 version is only one disc, whereas the uh, GameCube version you have to switch discs because Nintendo thought mini discs were cool.
1: They were wrong. <laughs> oh, Nintendo Ooh, yeah. backed a technology that didn't pan out? That's so weird. What's actually hilarious <laughs> about that game is fun. when it came out, it was part of the uh,
0: the Capcom 5 so if, uh, if people are familiar with the Capcom five, when the GameCube came out, they were, uh, really anxious to get third party support for their console. So they paid Capcom a shit ton of money to make five exclusive titles just for the GameCube That's that also... were all supposed to be like, like high quality, really fucking great games. And the joke is, is almost all of them got ported to other consoles. So those five games were pno 3 Or never released. What's that? Or Or never released. Or never released, yeah. So it was... uh, Piano 3 was the first game. uh, Never heard of that. Which was... uh, It's on the wall there. It's on the bottom. It's a a weird rhythm-based third-person shooter. Very odd. Uh, Beautiful Joe was one of those games. Good choice. Which got ported to PS2 and... No, just PS2. Uh, Resident Evil 4 was the marquee, huge title for that. Which it did get timed exclusivity, but eventually got ported to literally everything. You can buy that on basically every console at this point. <laughs> yeah, uh, Killer Seven was one of those games, um, which also got a PS2 port, and then the last one. Now, Shane, remind
3: me what it was. It was like Project Phoenix or uh, something. That sounds familiar, something of that sort. I'll be honest, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I just,
0: yeah. Come on, dude, you're you you're you're my partner in crime
3: when idea. it comes to Capcom stuff. Like, you're my dude. Oh, I'm
2: sorry, <laughs> Dead Phoenix. I th- I think it was called go. Project Phoenix. Dead Phoenix dead phoenix dead, dead phoenix, phoenix. Oh, okay yeah how dead fitting phoenix. there it is yeah. <laughs> how fitting indeed uh
0: yeah but uh awesome
2: only awesome. if it was like release now like in its glory and just like put out like it rose from the ashes from not being released but it's, to being released now just but like it's a, a phoenix. dead
1: phoenix though
2: <laughs> yeah but phoenix is reincarnate
1: yeah but not if they're dead
0: but uh, phoenix is <laughs> <Phoenix>, dying <died>, re- <laughs> re- really that's really how Phoenixes work, bro what came first the chicken or the egg <laughs> yeah but uh but killer seven's yeah. dope i'm super super stoked to uh have all you guys play that um yeah no. fun. Shame i'm like glad that you have a copy of uh, frank i'm sure you have a copy as well that you're gonna happily play an archived version of right uh, i'll
2: find one i'll find one <laughs> yeah. i'm a resourceful kind of guy
0: there you go so yeah so that'll be uh that'll be february and i think that'll end i guess the first uh the first season of this um, the first although, batch. Yeah, although we were entertaining the idea of uh, of making, like, the final episode of, like, the first, like, I guess, run be, like, voted on by the community. So that could be, uh, that could be something. I guess more to come on that topic. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. a couple months.
3: Yeah. Also, one thing I wanted to mention, just on the topic with uh, Killer7 in particular, um, I, I myself am a, a big fan of Grasshopper Manufacturer and Studio 51, despite the fact that I have not played that many of their games, mm. um, and Killer7 is going to be a great opportunity to try another one. Yes. Uh, but it doesn't have to stop there. So what I mean to say is if I finish Killer7 within, say, the first week of our month, and I want to move on to other associated games, mm-hmm. then it would, I would say we would want to encourage that. And yeah. what I... will Draw back to Legacy of Kane for a second. Once you guys have gotten your playthrough of Legacy of Cain 1, if you feel compelled to play Legacy of Cain, uh, Soul Reaver 2, and Defiance, then I would also encourage doing that so we can extend the discussion, you know, so, much further than on the base game itself. So I was doing some research on this, actually. What What is
0: soul reaver 2 on because the only games that i saw in this series was blood omen legacy of kane legacy of Mm -hmm. kane soul reaver and then legacy of kane 2 which was on the ps2 those were kind of like Uh, the only ones that i knew of so So that's confusing
2: okay so you have actually i know the answer to this but shane go ahead if you want to do it oh uh,
3: well essentially they started with um blood omen legacy of kane and that is a top-down uh styled rpg Where you play as Kane. Uh, Then you have the Soul Reaver series, the 3D action series, uh, and there's Soul Reaver 1, Legacy of Kane, Soul Reaver 2, and Legacy of Kane Defiance, which is Soul Reaver 3. Uh, While they were releasing those, they also decided to make Blood Omen, uh, Legacy of Kane 2. Interesting. Which was a 3D action style game, the likes of Soul Reaver, but again, starring Kane and continuing his story, and is notoriously known as the worst in the series. I see. Uh I don't know firsthand yet, but I There's
2: also there's also one more game in the series.
0: Legacy of don't Game Defiance.
2: Mean... I thought there was that multiplayer uh multiplayer like oh, shooter. Yeah. It's dead. Now. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> don't that? don't yeah, gloss there's... over it just cuz it's a black sheep.
3: It's okay. Well, there's the <laughs> multiplayer um the 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 deathmatch is a deathmatch anyway
2: yeah basically
3: st- standard deathmatch multiplayer game called Nozgoth, which takes place in the fictional in the game Oh fictional I heard about this Nosgoth. game yeah <laughs> and you know what I actually played I'm gonna say enough rounds to count on one hand but I did play Nozgoth. and it was harmless okay. it just <laughs> wasn't you know it, it it felt like you know where the why are the efforts going towards Naugas when they could be going towards something new but you know maybe All because right. they couldn't that afford is... Amy Henning anymore <laughs> <laughs> Well, she's, she was definitely gone by that point unfortunately yeah yep. uh, okay but with you know the recent uh, situation well now it sounds like EA still still definitely has uh, employment with uh, opportunities for Amy but it's too bad that she couldn't get herself involved in a new Legacy of Cain project now that she's a little more available.
0: Yeah, for sure. Oh, man, I'm, I'm super excited to play this game. I, uh, in preparation for this one, I ordered a copy of the PS1 version on eBay that should be uh, arriving any day now. I believe it'll be here before the end of this week. So, uh, Pots, being that your access to a PlayStation is limited, um, would you like to join me on this journey?
1: yes we should stream
0: it i think we should stream it i think it would be a lot of fun if we streamed it (laughs) it's yeah i'm looking forward to this
2: i'm also looking forward to this mostly because i like vampires yes yeah that's that's a thing
0: (laughs) i will say if i could like usher you in any direction um i i've always like thought about playing bloodlines and Mm -hmm. would really love the opportunity to try that game. Uh, yeah, I also think at that point, POTS might have access to a legitimate PC. Maybe. So that could be a... Uh, oh, that's January? Yeah. yeah I probably mm-hmm. will by then. So right, that could well, be a cool thing to jump into.
2: It, if there's any game on my short list, it's probably Bloodlines, because I've said many times I love the game. It is one of my favorite games by one of my favorite now defunct developers, based on my favorite tabletop role-playing <laughs> game. So I have a lot of, a lot of uh, emotional investment into it, shall we say uh i wrote a modding guide that's hosted okay. on our website for it yes because i wanted to share the optimal way to play it with the internet so i was gonna
3: say come january i'm going to be uh looking back and finding that article yes all right. yes all right. yes
2: actually yeah i just might do i might put on a stipulation if i announce it in january so we're all playing the same version of the game like come up with some kind of means of leveling the playing field like probably avoid mods but say install this patch kind of thing yeah. I'll, I'll think about it a little more but so that way we don't all walk away with like different experiences from like different things added into the mix
0: you, you know what could be cool sort of in the in the same vein of that um but kind of the exact opposite of what you're saying aren't there multiple classes in that game could we each like yeah. choose a different class to play as yeah
2: yep there are mm. there, there are different classes that absolutely. could be yeah. very cool name
0: all because, the classes
1: yeah. frank all right so there's seven (laughs) clans
2: okay so the way that clans work in vampire they're basically classes in that they give you different uh disciplines which are your magic vampiric powers and you like different clans have different access um different access to them but they also fill in a stereotypical role of a vampire so the gangrel for instance is the bestial like wilderness walking like out in nature like like animalistic vampire okay um the, What's the one that has is... sex with everybody <laughs> no not quite no that's the toreador the toreador are your Anne rice <laughs> right. are Anne rice like high society artistic you know emotionally driven vampires dibs on that uh, your, one <laughs> yeah your your ventrue are your blue bloods aristocratic like old like european nobility become like merchant class sort of uh sort of, like, vampires there. Malkavians are... Their their thing is... Their weakness is they're insane. Like, they're literally insane. Um, Nosferatu is, as the name implies, um, the Nosferatu vampire. If you ever seen the movie Nosferatu? Uh, Count Ulok? Yeah. yeah that's their weakness. Like they're defund, They're ugly. They're sewer rats. <laughs> but yeah.
0: is it true that, like, I've heard that in, uh, in certain people's experiences that class is particularly difficult to play or yes. like provides a fundamentally different experience than right. every other class. so
2: for the first time player if you've never played vampire the masquerade bloodlines before i would highly 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 suggest you leave the nosferatu and the malkavian classes for a second playthrough okay so okay. the reason for this is because the nosferatu because of their clan weakness they're deplorably ugly so the way that vampire works is Vampires are able to live in secrecy because they uphold something called the masquerade. When they're out in public, they pretend they're humans. They do not give any indication that they're vampires when they're dealing with mortals because if the world discovered that vampires live, then bad things will happen, especially because they've pretty much engineered the world to run on their whims. It's like if there was ever a great conspiracy that existed, it exists because vampires are at the center of like pulling the strings of humanity in this ever and never ending war against one another for supremacy all in the shadows Interesting. so in order to uphold that because the nosferatu are essentially a walking masquerade breach they can't like they can cover themselves up and look human uh, by tabletop rules but not in the video game they have to travel from point to point on the map in the sewers because if they walk down the street then they'll get attacked because yeah. they're monsters and bad things happen
0: Interesting.
2: So, yeah. So, if you're not familiar with the game, it's not a good introduction to it because, like, it's an extra level of challenge, but you also don't get, like, the full. Yeah, like, you're full not seeing of most unless of the game you, unless you're very familiar with the setting. Now, the Malkavians, because they're insane, the way that this is translated in game is that they have, shall we say, different dialogue. So, the dialogue strings in the game are identical you can say one thing will lead to another thing those don't change but the actual written dialogue changes immensely in that the mulcavians will just ramble on and you'll have no idea what the fuck they're saying like Mm -hmm. in the course of the game on top of that there are instances where in the course of dialogue the mulcavians will actually hint towards plot points that pop up that if you have no idea what the plot is, you're not going to understand the reference to it. I see, but it's still there. Gotcha. And it'll just be like another... lost on a new player. Yeah, exactly. It's one. It's like it's a bit of an inside joke, in a manner of speaking. Yeah. So while it's doable, I think that that's something that you get way more out of on a second time through. Gotcha. Like a hundred percent that way.
0: You know what's interesting that I'm that I'm just realizing now? All of our picks are like. Slightly violent fantasy <laughs>
1: games, uh, <laughs> like, slightly. pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. Mine is yeah. comically violent, at least. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's definitely a lot of violence in it, but it's all very cartoony. Yeah.
3: Well, oh, no, next time around, we'll try and pick something a little more bright and cheery. Okay. Yeah, for my
2: for my next game, I'm gonna pick Hearthstone. Um, oh, um, no. Guys ever heard of it before? Um, yeah, what's that I'm
0: game all about? <laughs> oh, man. Being really stuck on.
2: but no, that's video games. Like most of them are violent in and of themselves, though, right?
0: That's true. That's a true. Like story.
2: very, very. V- there are games that are not violent, but the grand majority of them have some violence in them because that's sort of like where the conflict is derived from. So yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting. If, it'd be interesting if for like one month we get a game that isn't violent. We could comment on that, but I'm true. not. I'm not surprised that we all pick games that are. So
1: we'll play yeah. Unravel.
3: <laughs> I'm actually interested in that game. I feel like yeah. I would play that. I, I put like an hour into that. I thought it was fun. <laughs> also, so Frank. Far. So far, Frank. I call the
1: Tremere.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you'll love the Tremere. Oh, man. oh yeah. Because I, okay. I,
1: I just read I just read a description of all seven clans. <laughs> right, right.
2: So the two that I didn't mention, like the Bruja or like your fiery hot, like. Frontline soldiers, they're the ones who like are, are easily angry, they fight for causes, they're sort of like the rebels who get embraced in like, critics of vampire society.
1: Lame. Yeah. It's also Spanish but, for They're pretty
2: witch. cool, they're pretty cool. Yeah, the Spanish for witch. Um, and the last clan are Tremere, and those are blood mages. They're literally a clan of vampires who were mortal mages who wanted to be vampires, so they came up with a ritual. They turned their leader into a vampire, he embraced his entire brood, and now they're vampire- like warlocks yeah i
1: call that class that's pretty yeah, cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no joke the first time i played through the game i played as a tremere oh fuck good times man good times <laughs> that or is such a good discipline like even in the video game world like just the, like it's just so overpowered it's great combat becomes a joke that's awesome
0: it's just cool that there are that many differences but uh yeah i mean it sounds like everyone's interested in that so i would highly uh okay. yeah Highly right, encourage you I'll, to consider that official. heavily for your your pick.
2: I'll make it official then. Um, my pick will be Vampire: The Masquerade Bloodlines when it comes to my month. Nice. Which is great because I've been meaning looking for an excuse to play through that again. Excellent. No,
0: that's perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think we have a uh, a pretty solid plan set up for ourselves. Um, I'm super stoked about Soul Reaver, uh, yeah. And I really hope that all of our listeners enjoy this new, uh, this new direction and this new idea for this podcast. I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it lends itself well because uh, we meet less often, so we have some time to really sort of digest some uh, some new material.
1: And also, just to be clear, the regular podcast will still occur all yes. the other weeks of the month. That is correct. This yeah, is so... just the former TZR South
0: podcast that, that is correct so uh for the active tzr podcast listeners you will be getting that uh every week of the month and then we're, we're just gonna splash some uh some zero exposure in at the end just give you a little splash some little different. we're just gonna
2: expose you to the stuff that they're not talking about
0: there it is there it is uh we absolutely uh, so and just asked if there will be a uh, list of games that we will have posted uh yes after this podcast we will set up sort of a uh, a running page that will have what uh what we're playing and everything and uh yeah we will update that as we go
2: very cool good idea indalia you're, yes. i like that about you you're a forward thinker on point on point
0: but uh but for now i think we are uh we're at a good point to break off and uh Start up this brand new game and start, uh, start gaining some exposure to <laughs> Legacy of Kane's Soul Reaver. Oh. Yeah, boot up your coffees, guys. Yes. Let's do it. Super excited. It. So, thank you, Shane. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Potts. And thank all of our listeners for joining us on this, uh, this inaugural episode of Zero Exposure. Uh, we hope to come back uh, next month with some really awesome insight on a brand new game. And uh, some deep discussion on why it is so awesome. <clears throat> but for now, thank you everyone for joining us and uh, go play
1: some good games. Go get some exposure, some, some games. <laughs> Expose yourself. Exposure.